Welcome to the Church of the Living God, Living Godcast. Our prayer is that this message speaks to you, impacts you, and inspires you. Please enjoy today's message, and we invite you to contact us if you need prayer, appreciate this word, or would like more information on Church of the Living God. Be blessed today. We are continuing our series, The Announcement. Little did I know a few weeks ago when we started this that God was going to be moving so powerfully and so wonderfully in the house. And I think, it is, I think it's prophetic. I think it's, it's a declaration by God of what He's doing. A couple weeks ago, we dove in to this series, The Announcement. In Luke 24, Jesus tells His disciples He's, he's already uh, rose and He hasn't quite yet ascended. And he gives his disciples the instructions to go and to wait for the promise of the Father. And the word for promise there is an announcement. And the announcement is, for those of you who may not have been here, the announcement is the arrival of the Holy Spirit. Because the arrival of the Holy Spirit is the announcement of the church. The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus, the ascension of Jesus, those were not the announcement of the church the announcement of the church happened in the book of Acts when the Holy Spirit fell. And when the Holy Spirit came on, in Acts 2, that's when the church was announced to the world. And so a couple weeks ago, I almost said last week, but a couple weeks ago we looked at Romans 8 and we looked at the purpose of the announcement and we took a look at why. Why is God so consumed with announcing himself to a generation. And we talked about God's desire to re-announce himself to this generation and to re-announce himself in this age and in this hour to this people. And I believe that God has made it pretty clear that he is re-announcing himself. And the reason why we looked at it is because creation in Romans 8 is longing for the revealing of the sons of God. So that was our why. And tonight I want to take a look at the what I'm a writer for a living, so those are the things I go through when I'm putting together when I'm putting together any kind of writing. Those are the things that I go through. That's just how my mind works, and that's how God uses me. So tonight, I want to look at the what. We're going to look at what it looks like when God begins to move. And I'm not talking about a shout or a run or a dance or a yell. All those things are awesome, and those are those are those are great. And thank God for those. But what does it? What, what is? What, is the, what are the practical things that starts to happen when God starts to announce himself to a generation? What does it look like when God starts to announce himself? Because if we can be honest for a minute, and I'll just take a minute here. I'll just park here for a minute. The church has been really good over the past thousand years or so at telling people what God has done and telling people what God is about to do. We have struggled... As a church, Big C Church, not Church of the Living God, we have struggled at identifying at what God is doing. And that means we've got to be better at knowing when God is in the middle of doing something. Church, can I tell you, God is in the middle of doing something. Now, here, in this place, God is in the middle of doing something. I would challenge you, and I don't say this in pride or boastfully, but I would challenge you to find a place that has had three people healed of cancer in a matter of a couple of weeks. God is up to something. God is on the move. God is doing something. He is announcing Himself in this place and through this people. He has given us words and instruction and revelation. And He's now given us miracles and signs and wonders. God is doing something. So it is up to us to know 
what are the next things that are going to happen? What is it going to look like as this thing plays out and as God moves in this hour? As God begins to move in this hour. So I want to take you tonight, as I say this, I want to take you tonight to the second chapter of Acts. But I don't want to look at the shout. And I don't want to look at the run. And I don't want to look at the wind. And I don't want to look at the fire. I want to look beyond that. I know we get excited about the cloven tongues of fire. And I do too. We're Pentecostal and we're allowed to get excited about that. But I want to look beyond that tonight. So we're going to go to Acts 2. And we're going to move a little quicker than I've been moving. Acts 2, verse 1. I'm in the ESV tonight. When the day of Pentecost arrived and they were together in one place and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Father, I thank you for this word and for your power and authority. Put your hand upon me tonight and use me, touch me, breathe upon me, speak to me and through me, and let this word touch your people. In Jesus' name, amen. In the first four verses of the books of, in the book of Acts, we have what is the announcement. The dissension of the Holy Spirit is the announcement. The product of the Holy Spirit, what we're talking about is the result of the, the announcement. The result of the fall of the Holy Spirit. So the, the Holy Spirit comes in verses 1 through 4. So now let's look at what the product of that is. Let's look at what the result of that is. Verses 5 and 6. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound the multitude came together. The first thing that God does when he begins to announce himself to a generation is he draws a crowd. The very first thing that God does when he announces himself to a generation is he begins to draw people. Have you noticed in the house that there are people that you haven't seen before? Pastor notices. Pastor said something if you've paid attention. There are people around that haven't been around before. And not just here in this house, the church around this nation and around the world is starting to gather in people that it has not had before. The church is beginning to grow in numbers and a crowd is beginning to gather. Not everybody's converted yet. Not everybody's accepted Jesus yet. Not everybody's bought in and signed up yet and got the book and the t-shirt and the hat yet. And that's okay. Because the first thing that God does is He begins to draw a crowd. Because how many of you know that he can't do anything until he's got people gathered together? The first thing that he does is he begins to draw a crowd. And he does it by releasing a sound. And the sound is released through his people. The sound is released through his people. Without his people, there is no sound. So we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to release a sound. It's not our sound. But we have a responsibility to be a trumpet. We have a responsibility to be a mouthpiece. A mouthpiece for His sound. Because if we don't release the sound, then He won't draw the multitudes. But if we do release the sound, then He will draw the multitudes. Because at the sound, the multitudes were drawn. At the sound, the crowds came together. At the sound, people started coming from all over. 
And they started hearing from everywhere that they were. And they started gathering. They started coming out of street corners and probably bars and inns. And I know we probably don't like to hear that in church. But that's where they came from. And they came from the gutters. And they probably came from the places that we also don't want to talk about. And they came from the unsavory places. But they came because there was a sound. Church, we have a responsibility in this hour to release a sound. We have a responsibility in this hour to release a sound. And it's not my sound. And it's not the apostle's sound. But it's his sound. His sound that's stirring in us and moving through us. Because if we'll release his sound, then a crowd will begin to draw. And it's not a crowd so I can be puffed up. Or so we can be puffed up. Or so we can say to the churches around town, Oh look, we've got 200 or 400 or 600 people in the house. It's so that he can draw a multitude. Because the first thing that he wants to do is to begin to draw a crowd to himself. Because that's where he begins. He begins by drawing people. He's always began by drawing people. Look at the ministry and the life of Jesus Christ. The first thing he did when he began to go into towns is he drew people. Everywhere he went, he drew people. Everywhere he went, he drew people. Before he preached, before he teach, before he taught, before he fed people, he drew people. Before he served, before he washed feet, he drew people. First thing God begins to do before he works, after he makes his announcement, is he draws people. But the drawing won't happen if we refuse to release a sound. There are crowds that have not been drawn over the ages because sounds have been muted. There are crowds that have stayed scattered because we have refused to release a sound as the church. Because we have said, well, that's too loud for this hour. Or that's too noisy or too bothersome for this hour. The Bible says that the disciples released a sound. That 120 of them in the upper room started to release a sound. And it sounded like nothing they had ever heard before. It sounded strange. It sounded weird. It sounded different. It didn't sound like anything they had ever done before. But something inside of them said, This is what I'm supposed to release here and now in this hour. Can I tell you that the sound that we have for this hour may not be the same sound that we've always released. It may not be what our grandparents released. And it may not be what the generation before them released. But maybe God has a new sound for this generation. And maybe the new sound will draw a new crowd. Because He has a sound that will specifically draw a crowd for this generation. But the crowd won't come if the sound, doesn't be re- if the sound won't be released. We have a responsibility to release the sound. The first thing he does is he draws a crowd. The Bible says that at this, at this sound, the multitude came together. The first thing he does is he draws a crowd. Oh, I'm doing good on time. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered. Because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. That's the rest of verse 6. The word for bewildered here is to stir up. To pour together, to commingle, to confound, to mix something up with something else so that the individual elements become difficult to distinguish. First thing God does is He draws a crowd, and the next thing He does is He begins to pour out some of Himself 
into the circumstance, into the situation. God begins to commingle into the atmosphere. God begins to do things crazy like heal people of cancer. God begins to do things crazy like turn around a doctor's report that says bones are 70% consumed with cancer and now they're completely healed. God begins to do things like give jobs and raises and starts to manifest Himself in ways that could not have possibly come any other way because God wants to pour out Himself in a way that it is unmistakable that something is in the atmosphere that was not there before. God makes it clear that He is present. But it comes when there's a crowd. And the crowd only comes when there's a sound. We we are key in this. God has a part to play in this. But we have a responsibility because God can't do His part if we don't do ours. How sobering is that? How concerning is that for me? Maybe I'm the only one. That I could withhold a sound that stops God. Or, dare I say, that causes God to not be able to do what He wants to do in a generation. But our sound can draw a crowd. And when we release a sound and draw a crowd, then God is able then God is able to pour out Himself into the circumstance. That word for bewildered there, it says to confound, to mix together until the elements are indistinguishable. God will get so involved in a circumstance that it is, it is unable to pull apart where God begins and ends. You're unable to pull apart where God begins and the circumstance ends. God gets down and gets His hands dirty in the circumstance. God gets down and gets His fingers dirty in the elements. God wants to get involved in the circumstances. When God starts to announce Himself to a generation, He doesn't stand back a million miles away and say, Hey, you down there, come find me up here on the mountain. But when God wants to announce Himself to a generation, He goes down and He starts burning a bush. And he finds a man. And then he says, you go tell the people that I am. And I'll go with you. But God, how can I go speak to Pharaoh? He's the leader of the greatest army in all the world. And I am says, I'll go with you. I'll be with you. And I'll go before you. When I am, when Yahweh wants to introduce himself to a generation, he gets down from his high place. And he comes down and meets with his people. He doesn't stand a million miles away. The world is so convinced that God is sitting on a hill somewhere pointing His finger and judging when really what He wants to do is get down and get involved and mix Himself into the circumstance. Mix Himself into the situation. To co-mingle. To get so involved that you can't tell where He begins and they end. He wants to jump in and get involved and get, get dirty in the situation. These are people who aren't saved. These are people who who aren't blood-bought. These are people who haven't asked for forgiveness or repentance. God says, I don't care. I want to get down and involved with these people. Because I care about them and I love them. Because when God shows up and starts to meet people face to face, something happens inside of people. When people get to meet Him face to face, something changes in them. When they stop hearing about Him and they get to meet Him, something changes inside of people. 
And they learn who He truly is. The world has got this weird perception that God is this teacher with a ruler ready to smack their hand at every little thing they do wrong. When He just wants to get down and get involved and meet them. But He's waiting on them to come together. And He's waiting on His people to release a sound. Says that they would bewildered. Verse 7 says, And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each one of us in his own native language, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phygra and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya, Belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. The mighty works of God. So the sound is not just a sound, but it's a declaration of how good He is. The sound is not just a sound. Let's make that clear that the sound is not just a sound, but it's a declaration of how good He is. And not only does the sound bring people together and God starts to get involved, but then He pours out amazement and wonder. And, and the Bible says amazement and, and wonder and astonishment. The word for astonishment here is to admire, to wonder, or to marvel at. But the word amazed here is amazed, thrown into wonder, or carried away with wonder. In other words... God begins to do things so miraculous and so powerful and so incredible that His wonder-working power is so awe-striking that it begins to cause them to be drawn unto Him. God begins to move in such a way and so powerfully and so miraculously that people can't help but say, we've got to follow after this being that is moving in such a miraculous way. They are carried away by the wonder of His marvelous works. Because only He could move in a way that He's moving. Because only He could do what He's doing. Are not these Galileans? How is it that all of us hear them speaking, each one of us, in their own language, declaring the good works of God? He begins to do something so marvelous, so wonderful, so powerful, that it draws them to Him. So he gets down and he starts to, starts to involve himself in their lives. And then he begins to do something so marvelous and so wonderful that his wonder literally draws them and creates a magnetism to him. Because he is that good. Because he is that holy. Because when you get face to face with Him, you can't help but be drawn to Him. Because when you get face to face with what He's doing, you can't be, help but be drawn closer to Him. Because when you see Him move in your life, when you watch Him heal three people of cancer in a matter of a couple weeks, when you watch Him wipe away the doctor's reports and diseases, and when, when you watch oncologists walk into a room and say, I, I, I saw it, it was right here just a couple of months ago, it was on this screen, in this room, in in this chair and now it's gone and I don't know what to say anymore it begins to draw you and you think I've got to get to know something about that God his wonder creates a magnetism because of how good he is 
are not these all Galileans? Galileans Galileans were, were the lowest of the low. The lowest of the low. We don't, we don't get that translation. It doesn't, it doesn't equate for us. That, that, this would be like, are not these the, the hillbilly, redneck hicks that, that only went to third grade? And yet somehow, some way, these people that can't read or write or, or, or do anything are able to speak all of these marvelous, wonderful languages, these beautiful Roman languages from all over the world, and they haven't traveled anywhere, and they can speak them perfectly with perfect dialects, and they can do it declaring the wonderful works of God, and it begins to draw them. Because when He begins to move, you can't help but move towards Him. All we've got to do is create an opportunity for Him to move. If we'll create the opportunity, He'll take care of the rest. If we'll open the door, He'll take care of the rest. If we'll release the sound, He'll take care of the rest. Because when He shows up, people begin to be moved. People begin to be stirred. People begin to be changed when He shows up because of who He is. Verse 12 and 13, And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others said, mocking, they're filled with new wine. The next thing that God does is He begins to prepare hearts. God will prepare hearts. God will draw a crowd. God will get involved. God will begin to pour out His wonder and amazement. And God will prepare hearts. People begin to ask questions. When God starts to move, people start asking questions. People start saying, what is this? What, what, what is going on? Why, why do I feel this way? Why do, why do I have these desires? Why, why, do I want, why do I want to draw near to this thing that I can't see? This thing that I don't know? This thing that I don't understand? But I want you to see this. In, in verse 12 and 13, the people ask questions. They say, what does this mean? And in verse 14 through 21, we get Peter's speech. Peter stands up and says, these men are not drunk as you suppose. And we love that speech. But it was the people that released the sound that were responsible to give the answers. Because if they didn't give the answers, the people would still be walking around with questions. If they didn't give the answers, people would still be walking around asking questions. They said, what does this mean? And pe Peter is the one. Peter is the one who released the sound. And then Peter is the one who stands up and says, listen, what does this mean? This is what Joel prophesied. This is what Joel promised. This is the outpouring of the Spirit of God on sons and daughters, servants and handmaidens, old men and young men. This is exactly what God prophesied and exactly what God promised. Don't allow, don't allow people to start asking questions and then, and then us, those who are able to answer those questions, to step back and say, well, I, I, I don't, I, I don't want to be, I don't want to be pushy. Or I don't want to be the one answering those questions. We have a responsibility. If we're going to be the ones to release the sound, then we've got to be the ones responsible to answer the questions. 
We've got to be the ones responsible to answer the questions. When they say, what is this? We've got to be, we've got to be the ones that say, that, listen, this is what this is. This is what this is. Peter is the one who stood up and said, this is what this is. The Bible doesn't say that it came by revelation of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit was there. Holy Spirit had every bit of authority and every bit of power to speak to whomever He wanted. But the Holy Spirit didn't reveal it when they started to question. It was the ones who released the sound who were responsible to answer the questions. Because we have a responsibility in this thing. We have a duty in this thing. He's invited us to participate in this thing. I'm talking about the product of the announcement. The purpose is creation is longing for the sons and daughters to be revealed. The product is, this is what happens when God begins to move. People are going to begin to be drawn. God is going to start getting involved. And He's going to begin to do things that are going to cause people to be drawn to Him. And when they get drawn to Him, they're going to start saying, What in the world is this? And when they say that, we've got to be ready to say, This is what this is. This is that. This is Him. This is who He is. This healing of cancer, that's who He is. This supplying supernaturally of jobs and finances, this is who He is. This multiplying of, 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 of your, your supply, this is who He is. We've got to be ready with answers because if not, it sows confusion. And He's not the author of confusion. He's not the author of confusion. Let's not allow the enemy to sow confusion where God's in the middle of moving. Let's not allow the enemy to sow confusion where God's in the middle of moving. But Peter stood up and answered and said, this is that. He didn't wait for the Holy Spirit to reveal it supernaturally. He stood up and said, no, 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 this is that. Don't be confused. These men aren't drunk. These, these men aren't crazy. These men haven't lost their mind. This is that. And he said it in order. And he did it lovingly. And he did it in a way... That led to salvation. After Peter's speech in verse 37. Now when they had heard this. They were cut to the heart. And said to Peter and the rest of the apostles. Now brothers what should we do? And Peter said to them. Repent and be baptized every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ. For the forgiveness of sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you. And your children. And for all who are afar off. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received this word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. I'm getting ready to finish. But the last thing that God does is he begins to save. The last thing that God does is he begins to save. I know this is a different type of message. This is... Not how I usually put together messages. And I know that. And it's, it's different. But this is what I got. This is what he gave me. It is important that we recognize what he is doing. Remember what Jesus said to the disciples. This is what I got when I was. Man, sometimes God talks to me in weird places. Y'all probably think I'm crazy. This is what I got when I was in the shower this afternoon when I was getting ready for church. Remember when Jesus was speaking to the disciples and he said, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. Because a friend, a servant doesn't have any idea what his master's doing. 
But a friend understands. A friend has insight. Friends, we have, we have insight. We have insight to what he's doing. He is revealing to us how he's working. How he's moving. And I know it, it, it doesn't... It, I know it sounds strange, but, but I, I think it is important that we identify... That God is moving. And we, and we don't just identify it superficially. We don't just identify it as like a, oh, God's moving type of thing. But, but we're clear about it. Listen, God, God has shown up in this place to move for a purpose. How many words over this house over the last 25 years, that this house would be a regional house. That this house would be a house that reached this region and even this nation and even would have reach around the globe. That this house would be a house that helped spur revival. Words in recent weeks that God was going to pour out again of the same spirit that breathed Revivals like Azusa Street and, and, and all of the great many moves of God that He was going to do it again. Listen, it is important that we identify what God is doing in this place. Because if not, we'll miss it. We'll miss it. You can miss a moment when God's moving. You can miss a moment when God's moving. And you'll reap some of the fruit of it. But you won't be able to take full advantage of the harvest. You won't be able to fully prune what's in season. If you don't recognize what season it is. It is important that we recognize the season that we're in. And we are in a season where God, for whatever reason, in His mercy and in His love, has ordained this house to be a part of an announcement to this generation. To this city and to this region. And it will not be contained to this house. What has begun in this house will not be contained to this house. It will spread. God will do what He has always done. He will draw people. As the sound of this house begins to reverberate out of these walls, He will draw people. And He will begin to get involved in lives. And He will begin to pour out wonder and amazement. And people will be drawn and they will have questions. And they will say, what in the world is this that's happening in my lives? And we will be forced to give answers. And say, this is that. This is Him. Forced in a good way. This is Him. And then He will cause salvations. In this city. That we've been praying over for however many years. In this region that we've been pleading over for however many years. God is moving. We have said for decades. God's going to move. God's going to move. God's going to move. He's moving. He is moving. He is moving. He is moving. He is moving. On Pentecost Sunday. God woke me up with Luke 24 in my heart. And said that there was a re-announcement coming to his generations. A re-announcement coming to his generations. A re-announcement. God is re-announcing himself to the generations. And we have to be ready. And have to understand how he will move in that announcement. Because if we don't play our part... It won't be as successful. It won't be as successful. But if we do, 
Bible says that 5,000 were added to the church. Later in Acts, it says 3,000 were added to the church. The apostles went all over the known world. They healed, they saved, they set free. Everywhere they went, miracles, signs, wonders, healings, mighty works, salvations. Everywhere they went, the glory of God. Because an announcement, a reverberation of the power of God was released in Jerusalem. And a group of people said, we'll submit and we'll do our part to carry out the announcement of God. Next week we're going to talk about the prolonging of the announcement. Our responsibility to carry out and to lengthen God's announcement. Stand with me. I'm going to pray over you. I'm done. I promise. Thank you for listening today to Church of the Living God, Living Godcast. We trust and pray that you were blessed by today's word. If you'd like to contact us for prayer or for more information about Church of the Living God, please visit our Facebook page at WinCityCOLG or give us a call at 859-745-1865.